Hello and welcome to the Eminem podcast. I am Mizzy and I'm here with Emma as always. And um, this week we are tackling a big topic which we are nervous about, but um, you know, we're just gonna do it anyway. So um, we're gonna talk about women, <laughs> the females. <laughs> um, and, you know, specifically regarding things that have been happening in the news recently. If you, if you live in the UK, you definitely know. If you live in the world, actually, you definitely know. Because one of these things is to do with Meghan Markle. And then the other thing is to do with the murder of Sarah Everard in London. Um, that's, you know, obviously been a very traumatic time for a lot of people. And, um, yeah, so we're just going to talk a little bit about our not necessarily the political side of it but like the our kind of gut reactions and what it's Mm. like to be a female in the world and I think like when we were discussing doing this it was like we discussed this like a maybe nearly a week ago now and things had progressed so much but now it feels like so hard to articulate yourself around it because it's a lot of gut and quite horrible reaction to Mm. it I don't know like painful sort of reaction but at the same time it's like how can you not talk about this right now it would feel wrong if we were to just pretend it didn't happen because I think I've felt affected by it I think most women have but before we get into the the heavy stuff we will I always forget what it's called what is this section called Sorry. It's called Mizzy. Let me tell you what we've been watching, and that. Wow, wow, we were. Wow, wow, we were. Without, without the we, wow, wow, we were. That can be. No, always were. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to go first? Sure. We've already talked about this, but I wanted to talk about it on the podcast, and I feel like you're not supposed to tell them that we've preemptively spoken. (laughs) This was supposed to be a random occurrence. Moxie. Ah, yeah. Netflix. It was. Oh my god. Well, it it fits so well with our topic today, and yeah, it's sort of it's weird in the timeline I've watched this and everything happened. So I watched this last Sunday, and I, I think probably at the weekend, I'd seen posts about Sarah going missing um, by that point, but nothing was sort of said, and I kind of... I don't know, you just sort of think, oh, missing person in London sort of thing. Because mm, it happens so frequently. I suppose it is, but it's become a lot more weighted, and it isn't, and it's a person. Anyway, so I watched that last Sunday, and I was like, oh, my God... Because basically the film, incredible, it's like a teen coming-of-age film, but, like, sort of the main premise of it is they sort they release a feminist magazine, which is super cool topic for teen film, and I think <laughs> a different route to go down in terms of coming-of-age, because coming-of-age is usually, like, uh, finding love. Ooh, I now have sexual feelings, stuff like that. <laughs> Oh, like, suddenly like... I have sexual <laughs> feeling. <laughs> as, as we've all been through. Whereas this one was <laughs> nice because it was like, oh, actually, like, I've been told this all my life or I've been very used to this and now I'm questioning it, questioning it because of, like, new friends, 
learning new things, like sort of figuring out your political leaning, I guess, or mm. or sort of maybe just having your own voice as well. And I, don't, I, I thought it was fun. I thought it was empowering. Yeah. I thought it was well done and sort of touched on the nuance without it being too heavy because it was a yeah. teen film. And I, I thought, I wish that was a film I'd, I'd yeah. have seen when I was, like, that age, opposed to probably sure, a lot yeah. of the films I was watching. Yeah, but, I agree. And, yeah, I, I left the film feeling super empowered and then the week that came kicked me back into my hole and said, oh, no, <laughs> no empowerment yeah. for you, girly. <laughs> girly? <laughs> Little girl. <laughs> No, but the film, really great. And I, I feel like that's something, if I ever have a teenage daughter... Yeah. Well, I'd probably have a, a child daughter first, but <laughs> who knows. Uh, <laughs> I would sit down and watch that, because great. And it had Amy Poehler in, which... And directed who, by Amy Poehler as yeah, well. Yeah, who me and Mizzy love, because we are Pax and Rex Stan. Yeah. Stans? I don't yeah. know how you use... Do you know what? I <laughs> love Amy Poehler so much. And, like, mm. Parks and Rec is great because it's one of those sitcoms where it's, like, it is political and it's a woman at the, like, mm. the centre of that. And, like, that's not really seen very much. But, um, but yeah, um, she plays the mum in this really well, too. Like, in that yeah. weird, like, line between being, like, looking back at their past but also... Um, sort of falling into those weird mum tropes of like you know at like yeah. the dinner table and meeting the, the boyfriend at the door and how she's like teasing her and it's like I don't know yeah, yeah she's really good it is nice yeah um, really good. also it's nice to have like actors in it that looked like they should be in school like yeah. potentially not all of them but like the main character looks like a teenager which does not happen often yeah um, for sure like in some ways like, she didn't wear a lot of makeup and stuff, and she dressed sort of just very normally, and I was like, that's also not seen very much. And that yeah. is the way a lot I do, of people I do understand are. there's, like, there's a time for a stylized thing. Yeah. But then, sure. I don't know, it fit really well with the film because it it was about being young. <laughs> what what have you been watching, Missy, apart from Moxie? Um, so I've been watching this TV show called The Bold Type, on uh, Netflix. I nearly started it after you said, but I didn't because there were 40-minute episodes and I was like, oh, No, but it's worth it, though. It's so good. Like, I thought it was new, but it's not. There's, like, I think it's, like, at least three series, if not maybe five. I think I saw, like, four. <laughs> four. <laughs> five seasons. I think I yeah. saw four. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's finished completely. I haven't looked into it, but I hope not because it's, like, the premise of it is sort of in... You, your classic like oh, three women living in New York kind of thing. They work for a, a women's like fashion magazine, mm-hmm. um, but then they do cover like topics that often are covered but just not covered well, and they're covered in a really cliche way. But in this, like, it's so like deftly done, like it's so incorporated into like the normality of their life, and but and then they sort of get onto these bigger topics like for example one episode I watched recently where there's a male writer in it um mm. and he this story breaks of his friend about um kind of like sexual harassment basically and 
he and they're all like wow this is amazing and he's like it's amazing and he goes to speak to her and then he tell the woman tells her that he she based it off of him and she he was like what and like shocked and stuff and um couldn't quite comprehend because basically in his mind he was like well it's just dating like that's just you know going back to somebody's house and one thing leads to another and blah blah blah. when she was like yeah but that the perspective of where you that's how you're holding it but she was like I I changed my mind and you were relentless but you didn't think you were being relentless because that's just the way the pushiness and the sort of trying your look kind of thing is the way a lot of we accepted men and like that's how it mm. sort of is and so to the point that they do not know that that is something that is uncomfortable and so he kind of couldn't grasp it and then he goes and talks to like the other writers and things like that there and they're like they know him so they know he's a nice guy and they know he's great and stuff mm. but they were like the thing is is that we've all been in the position of this woman where things have got to a point where things might go a certain way and then you just don't want to anymore and it's easier to just go along with it than it is to be like no and cause a scene and cause a fuss and um so they were like kind of explored the gray area of that and how it's not necessarily directly anybody's fault but it's like but but there is still people to blame and and there is still Mm. things that you need to um you might think that you're doing the right thing and you're a good person that doesn't mean that you're just because your intentions are good basically doesn't mean that it comes across like that always and he sort of goes back and thinks about it and then he ends up writing this piece where he publicly admits that he's the person that she wrote it about and that he you know was learning about it and he didn't couldn't comprehend it to begin with and now he's reconsidering the way that he has been with women all his life and mm. the way he's going forward and you know some of the other writers like advised him they were like do you sure you want to do that because that can ruin your career because mm. you know you just get cancelled immediately or whatever and then he was like well he like ummed and out about it but it was like well it, it, it's important so it's worth it kind yeah, of thing it's and like that one person taking the bullet in it yeah and there was a lot of people who were like, oh my God, we thought Alex is one of the nice ones and we thought blah, blah, blah. And then, but then he, they, he also got some good comments and about it being important for him to make that first move and sort of take that responsibility of the, of the way mm. men can be for other men to be able to publicly and comfortably take that responsibility so that there can be an actual change. And I think that yeah. is a huge thing about what probably we're going to talk about a bit later, but yeah. Um, but do you know that made me think of and I've I've been sort of thinking about this a lot obviously but there's so much stuff in like popular culture especially films and stuff like that where um part of like the flirtation is like a woman saying no and then mm. it's like the the plain hard to get and all <laughs> this and it's like although I'm not like condoning it at the same time there's a lot of stuff that's taught Maybe mm. not in school, but through every sort of facet, phones, TV, whatever, telling men the way they're doing it is right when actually it makes women feel uncomfortable. I think if there's anything that we're learning as we're growing up is that there are a lot of things that sort of become 
ingrained in you from a young age that you sort of have to unlearn and it's very difficult it's very difficult to do that particularly when you don't know the thing that you have to unlearn you know Mm. (laughs) um for sure but yeah um I would very much recommend this show though because it is it's it's you kind of like a little bit trashy sort of you know you know what I mean like a nice casually sitcommy type situation thing but that does also have those <laughs> nice um like goes into the deeper things a little bit but in sometimes in a heavier way but sometimes in a lighter way and it more reflective of how actual life is you know mm, I love that sentence <laughs> <laughs> reflective of actual life <laughs> yeah I probably will watch it and it, well, I finished Sex in the City, so I need a replacement for that. Yeah. But I started watching. I think it's called The Superstar. Oh God, yeah, that is. Yeah. I wish I actually I watched like four episodes last night. And I'm quite enjoying. So mm. keep everyone up to date on that. It it sort of gives me Parks and Rec vibes in that ensemble, yeah, multi like age cast sort of thing, and like different, like they're friends because they're at work, so they're all different, mm. which always makes quite a funny. Sure. Do you know, I've watched like three episodes of that and I can't get into it. My oh, housemate really it. loves I it. I sort keeps... of love like proper like shit. Mm. I don't know if maybe it's just a bit too close for home for me working in a supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's shit, but I, I think it's, it's one of those things that's not like, <laughs> I don't know, it's basically like what's the point in watching it because like they're just like pissing about a supermarket, <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Anyway, um, so there's one thing I want to share this week um, is a podcast because here's the backstory on this. Basically, I've moved out of my family home, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm refusing to pay for terrestrial TV because I don't think I'm really going to use it, which I haven't yet. But the one thing I'm like, how am I going to get my news? Um, because I don't have Twitter, which I know a lot of people get news from. And really, I do prefer not to get news from social media because mm. I do find that it tends to... Be opinionated, which is not what it um, is. Like an echo chamber, isn't it, a lot of the time. Mm. Um, so I found this podcast, which I think you'll really like, actually, Lizzie, called Newscast, and they upload one every day. And it's by BBC, Um so it's sort of like the news, so they'll recap a few of the headlines. But I do, I find that, like, as much as, even if I don't have TV, I sort of know the headlines. I don't know, via osmosis. The radio, there. yeah. Yeah, on the radio, the headlines are always on. You, you're going to catch it in your social media with somehow. People. Conversations with friends, Sally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> um, but this, it sort of, it'll pick a few sort of topics. So the one I was listening to today, it was touching on the Sarah Everard, like the actual um, memorial and then the protests and the legislation that's sort of coming in around protests at the moment. So they went into more, more into depth with that one and had a, um, I think it was the ex um, so, in the police to do with sexual harassment for women. So it's interesting people they talk to, um, like, surrounding different news stories. Um, And, yeah, they'll do a couple of interviews like that with people, but then also just sort of have a general 
introduction of uh, the main news stories of the day as well. And it's done by... Well, I've listened to it twice because I've only sort of just got to groups with it, but I think it's really good. The first time I listened to it, there was two men, and then the second time there was a man and a woman. So I think the presenters must switch, but they're all journalists. But more, I think, like, the woman who was on today was also doing a documentary podcast on coronavirus in the, like, parliament, how it's affected politics and Mm. stuff like that. So they're working actively on other stuff as well. So they're, they're quite, like... They bring in those things as well into their discussions. Yeah. And it's just really That's good. Cool. It's a different spin on news because at the moment I just find all the news shows to be kind of very annoying. Um, I, I think at the moment news is basically like, if, if you ever watch like say breakfast or any of them, in the morning they'll cycle around the same stories because they're on for like three hours and say the same things every half hour then they'll get someone on and have an argument with them (laughs) whether they're left wing right wing i don't know other wings and (laughs) (laughs) it's just draining to watch it's like i'm actually not finding out much as i could all I know after watching the news is pretty much the headlines, and then I'm aggravated because of the way they're presenting it, presenting yeah. it to me. Whereas this, I find actually quite engaging and informative. Off. Yeah, it's engaging. It's quite funny, um, but then they're actually like delving into things a little more. But it's not they're not delving into everything too much because you can't keep up with that. It's yeah. like more so specific things in in an interesting way. So. I would very much recommend that's on pod on oh my god on spot <laughs> it's on podcast um, and they're like 30 minutes but I put them on 1.2 speed so you can listen to them in like 20 some minutes so it's a quick way to get your news in and does that make it sound weird well no not at 1.2 I put it on 1.5 and that was far too fast so. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know people like sped up podcasts but like people no, I do I didn't know that yeah so try speeding up our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, last time we did a podcast, I said that I would watch try and watch a documentary a week. Oh yeah. Well, I have done that. I stuck to a goal. Yes, <laughs> um, so I watched a couple. So one called Hale County this morning, this evening. Right. Which <laughs> <laughs> has actually been on my list for a while because back in uni, I made like I. Um, part of documentary club and for my one of my degree things I needed I had to make a um like a log book and I had to propose a perspective festivals a, a documentary like um screenings kind of thing and mm. so I was doing a lot of research into documentaries and I found this one that kept coming up and it's on Amazon Prime it's only like an hour long it's not very long but it's one of those ones where it's just like a snippet into the lives of like a very specific area so it was in america in south america not south america mm. but the american south um <laughs> as in not mexico as in america do you know what i mean you would yeah. say south <laughs> but yeah um and to be honest not much really happened in it necessarily but it's just like it was really really nice to be able to sort of just like w- see this window into this 
the way that people live. I find that so fascinating well, all the was time. Was it literally just about, like, random people in that area? Yeah. And oh. just, like, some conversations that they were having and and some things that were happening in their lives. Like, I don't want to ruin it, but um, mm. it, it was really beautifully shot. And it was just, like... It's kind of, like, the sort of documentaries that I would want to make. I'm really interested in just, like, observing how... Mm humans are not in like a reality tv way that's like kind of conditioned and structured that you mm. literally just very much putting a lens onto how things are i really like that so yeah um that was nice and then i watched this one called all in the fight for the Do- democracy i don't know if you've heard of but mm. um was getting quite a lot of traction recently because it was about you know in the u.s election um mm. there's the Georgia, Georgia governor, Stacey Abrams, who she basically did loads for um, getting rid of voter suppression and she's basically the reason why Joe Biden won. Um, she's mm. like, and so it was all about her and how, how US politics works and how they try and like, um, like they close polling stations and things to discourage particularly like poor black communities from Mm. voting and they make it really difficult and they tell you you're not on the list your name's not coming up you're on this purge list and you're not um because if you heard that you go to a polling station and they go you know you've registered and they go you haven't registered and you go yeah i have and they go you're not on here you haven't registered you just go home because you're like what can i do because it's like illegal yeah it is illegal but So yeah, well, America. It says like fight for freaking democracy. Yeah, at the end, um, it basically said that the USA is like has of all Western countries is by far the worst in terms of democracy for the place that is supposed to be the land of the free and champion democracy. It it has the worst. It's not the land of the free. It's the land of bloody consumerism and capitalism. I'm I'm going to become <laughs> a communist. I'm sick of wealth. It's the root of all evil. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a we'll podcast start on that. that. Tonight, right? yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it was one of those real inspiring ones. It's mm. literally, I think, in this past year. I've seen a lot more things that have been female-led and not just, like, so, you know, what we just talked about with that Moxie film in Mm. fiction, but also in, like, real life and seeing politicians who are women who are successful and seeing um, business people who are women and who's, like, all those kind of things. It really does make a difference. And I think for a long time, I don't think anybody thought it would and I don't think anybody thought it it mattered or they didn't see it as a problem. It's representation, isn't it? And, like... yeah. But I suppose as well, it, it's a different as well because the sort of... You, you can't say, like, especially for us, like, white women haven't been in films for the last, like, 50 years, but at the same time they've been in films as the bum and the boobs. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's, it's nice to see one where they're in it as the brain. Yeah. And it does make a difference. Yeah. But obviously that women is not the only... Thing that needs representing but you know yeah it's part of it yeah well the so, Stacey yeah. Abrams is a is a black woman and it was like really 
reiterated to her how important it was to vote precisely because as a woman and a black person she, historically she would not have been given that mm. right and it does kind of we say that a lot but I sort of think it doesn't really quite hit home how how actually it really was not that long ago mm. for a lot of people to not be and still still currently in the world in the USA and wherever people are being blocked from voting because yeah. they as much as you know we talk about democracy being amazing they don't want to hear your input and your voice mm. if it doesn't align with what their interests so it's very important mm. and yeah, i would recommend watching that it would be really interesting to see if you literally just took a like census sort of thing out of it in America, how the votes would look if everyone, every single person was allowed or could and did vote. Well, it was actually, they had all these stats on how young people in America are the biggest demographic and have the most power to be able to swing anything. Mm-hmm. And it is so telling how much... Like, it's very weird to see... because when I talk to you or I talk to my friends or whatever, you we think of ourselves as being political. But it... So you don't think of it as being an issue of young people not voting because you're like, well, I am. But mm. actually, the amount that aren't is disheartening in a way because we are so collectively frustrated about things and yet mm. we do actually have technically the most power to be able to change it. But... Mm. I think always the fear for me was like, oh, I don't know enough. Like, yeah. how can I vote if I don't know enough? But then when you... <laughs> I'm not being funny. Like, yes, older people have more experience. But in terms of politics, we're all pretty much on a level playing field of knowledge unless you are really into it. Because there's always going to be points where you, you are confused and you don't know the ins and outs. Like, pretty mm-hmm. much nobody does because it's people's full-time jobs to know the ins and outs. It isn't ours, but it is you can get to grips with it and get a pretty accurate reading of where your vote should go. Yeah. And I think use that vote. Power to the people. Yeah. What? That was a fist in the air. <laughs> um, okay. I don't think... I don't have anything... I think Actually, the only thing I was thinking... Uh, and I haven't... After you said about the documentary thing, I watched a few um, of the episodes of David Attenborough's Perfect Planet... Oh, I don't think I've watched that, you know. I've only watched two. I thought it would be more about climate change, but it isn't. But it's just about, like, the ones we watched were the volcanoes one and the sun one and how each of them, like, plays a role in our perfect planet. Um, and it was just, you know, like, the classic David Attenborough style of showing, like, these incredible shots of, like, animals you didn't even know existed in places that look alien. It was just fabulous but mm. then at the end each of the episodes I, I think there's about five I only watched two at the end of each episode there's like um a section that's maybe like 10-15 minutes of behind the scenes of how they shot different things because I think watching it it's easy to forget there's a camera there even though it looks so unbelievable and then like they actually are ending up going to places that are almost impossible to go to to get these shots and almost impossible to get like the animals they get on camera on camera so they sort of take it back to that like 
the first one was how they were getting onto the salt plains because they went to the flamingos and then in the second one they went to I can't even remember where now like it was minus 50 where they were it was like I want to say like Antarctica sort of area and <laughs> like the chances of them seeing this um, wolf was like so low and mm-hmm. it's I think as like someone interested in film as you are as <laughs> there's a lot of hand gestures there which no one could see um, <laughs> it is it was a nice added extra onto it because yeah. I think a lot of people who watch those sort of things are interested in that as well so. yeah because it's like fascinating how mm. how they because I think most people look at what David Attenborough does and it's like, that is the coolest job in the world. Travelling, yeah. seeing amazing things, and like, Cause how I, that, I the adventure of to, it. To be a wildlife photographer, actually, it, the more you like see into it, I think it's little to do with actual, even though they take these amazing shots, it's less to do with photography, more about like, are you willing to be chest deep in mud (laughs) in 50 degree heat dying of starvation to get this shot and if so you can be a wildlife photographer (laughs) or videographer yeah it's definitely worth a watch that's on there iPlayer nice okay Um, right are we ready or have you got more no ready ready for our main topic we'll we'll see where this one takes us because it honestly in the last week this i guess as a story Mm. so it's progress on it wildly right i want to talk a little bit about how my initial reaction to it because I didn't actually have a reaction and then was suddenly aware of all this re- this reaction and I was like, mm. oh my God, what? Because, so basically, I remember seeing it on Twitter, like, so this is the Sarah Everard thing about mm. um, her going missing and stuff. Um, uh, obviously, I thought it's awful, but I, to be honest, did not think anything further because you hear those stories quite a lot. Mm. Um and I remember my housemate saying something about it and, like, being like, God, it's so awful and all this kind of stuff. And then I was like, oh, I haven't really heard anything about it. And she was like, it's everywhere. Like, it's all over, all social media. And I was like, well, I just hadn't even, I didn't even know. And um, then suddenly it was, like, obvious, obviously the stuff about being a Met police officer um, and that it was that she had been murdered and, and all of this stuff. And then, like, the reaction collectively of, of a lot of women um, and how they were expressing their fears of, of safety in normal day-to-day life. Mm. You know, the whole thing about she was just walking home is so, like, poignant to a lot of women because mm. that feels like a discussion that men have never had to have. Um, yeah where they wouldn't even need to consider that if they walk to walking home they might get killed or raped or or whatever you know um and it was really weird because I think the way that I responded actually was very telling of how systematic and normal that has become that horrible Mm -hmm. event has become because I literally didn't think anything of it I was just like 
that's just another one, which is awful. But I didn't, I literally didn't, um, I was shocked, to be honest, by, like, the, the, um, like, overwhelming response of it. Because I think a part of me was like, why this one? Why, why has this case particularly got a lot of traction? Because, you know, I'm, I mean, there was a, a case last year that was put a bit more close to home for us. Is a, a uni student who was um, raped and killed in Hull. And she yeah. was our age. And that did get some public traction but nowhere near to the extent of this and well I think sorry a lot of people like when it happened I think and it was sort of a fear reaction sort of I know that it's really toxic the blame thing but they were like oh she was on a night I think everyone was like but will that happen to me so they're like oh she was on a night out like I don't go on nights out or she was yeah. really drunk. I, I don't get really drunk. Yeah, so or, or my me. friends don't let me go home by myself or, or those kind of things. Like Yeah. Instead of being like, this is a tragedy. Yeah. We were all, I think, as well, like, I definitely felt at the time when I saw that, I was like, oh, God, that could, like, happen to me. But then I was, like, thinking of all the ways it couldn't. Yeah, because yeah, also as, you as immediately... Just, in reality, it's out of my control. You we do moment. this thing where you're like, um, sort of, uh, the it's like doing a risk assessment, and you're mm. like, Well, oh, I take precautions, I, I don't, um, I, I don't get super drunk, or I, I, yeah. I never leave without my friends, or I don't, um, which is all these things which is him shaming to be honest yeah but i mean the thing is is that is precisely the problem that it was so normal for women to collectively to be like oh but i take precautions you know you shouldn't have to take precautions you there should not be that men get very drunk men get walk home men were provocative or whatever like and it never it doesn't happen to them or doesn't happen to them to the same scale as it happens to women yeah um and very much not so, not necessarily by women. Definitely, if it happens to men, it happens more to men by the men than it does mm. by women. And, um, like, I think, so that is obviously the the thing that has caught everybody's attention, is that it's sort of become this platform to express how ridiculous it is that we are frightened to do normal things Mm. um and how infuriating that is to try and explain to to men or the like or just the powers that be kind of thing um when they just want to be like i wouldn't do that i'm like i (laughs) i know every we all have men in our life that we love and we all have you know it it's really hard to explain because it's like i know this whole thing has come out about not all men and all that kind of stuff and yeah, yeah I, of course the thing about the but, not all men thing it's like yeah it's not all men but it's got to be at least some because this is happening <laughs> yeah it's enough of you to make it a, a gender-based issue but it's also the problem is is that even if you 
even if they wouldn't do it, it's sort of like they have the physical capability to do so, and that in itself is mm. is where the fear comes from. And then and then the defensiveness of being like um, not recognize it as a problem also creates more fear because we're like you're not hearing us. Yeah. Like we wouldn't be telling you this if we we're not just everybody collectively lying about this. Like we wouldn't yeah. be telling you if we didn't know that it was a problem. I feel like uh, this week, in terms of reactionary, has yeah. been a bit of a, like a. I found actually this week, like when I sat and thought about it, quite hard because I think there's been so many times that I've thought. I think what it's done is like when the statistic came out, like, 98% of women have been sexually harassed. I think I was like, well, uh, that's not me. And then when I actually think about it, I'm like, no, that's me all of the time. Mm. And I'm saying to myself, that's not an issue. But it is. When it is, and I think that was one thing. And it... I don't know, it's like having to bury this thing every day that's making you feel unsafe. Mm. Because everyone had been saying, or, or not, or not had been saying, but the the silence on it makes you think. Well, I'm not going to make a big deal about it, but like, especially so- in the climate of how things are at the moment, is that it feels very much like, um, like everything's so divisive, and it's like very us versus them, and so. Mm. Like, the only way this is will be solved is... Working together. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think potentially that's what people are saying is when they say about the not all men thing, they're trying to be like, oh, but it's not all of us and blah, blah, blah. And we, uh, you know, but I suppose the point is is that they need to... We've had to bury these things for a long time. We've had to bury our fears and our feelings about things. They need to bury this this fear about uh, momentarily to list to hear what we're saying and then we can address that as an issue going forward but you can't address that first because yeah. like the not all men thing it yes not all men have done it obviously but what we need is all men to be on board for helping mm. and that's like really important the thing is it anytime that's sort of brought to the table it's just bringing up a separate issue. It's not helping the issue at hand. And that's, yeah. I think, what's really annoying. When, especially, a lot of this stuff is very, like, triggering and upsetting to bring up. Because I think for most women, it's something you just sort of ignore or put to the back of your mind. Because it's incessantly hurtful and painful. We've also spent a lifetime trying not to believe that it is all men. And so it is sort of like... You, you go about your everyday being hopeful that that's not going to happen, you know? Mm. And so when it's infuriating because it's like we've been protecting you for a long time yeah. in that way. So so you need yeah, to... Step up and take yeah. it. <laughs> there was a tweet that Davina McCall tweeted that annoyed a lot of people. Davina. <laughs> um, it annoyed me a bit too, Um I sort of understand what she was saying, but she basically was like, I think we need to be very careful about what we're saying here and, um, you know, it isn't all men and we need to think about male mental health here. And 
whilst yeah of course that's an issue it frustrated me that yeah exactly they do intertwine on some levels but like if you're taking those are things that the nuances that you have to deal with along the line like it's not the immediate thing and what felt what was sort of heartbreaking and very telling in a way of being a woman is that you immediately do go towards the caring side of it and like the protecting mm-hmm. thing and she, her, I understand her point trying to be like oh god but I don't want to I don't want men to feel like they can't talk now because of this yeah but what you need to understand is is that they haven't granted you that same um freedom they yeah. haven't they haven't granted you the same protection and the same care by by like snuffing out your voice and and making it about their their health issues they're distracting from so it's basically like classic gaslighting kind of thing isn't it like, you can throw statistics at whatever. It's not about who's got it worse kind of thing. Yeah, the I think... point is that there's problems in all areas and you can't solve them yeah. by being like, well, ours is worse than yours, so shut up kind of thing. Because then you're facilitating mental health problems in the opposite. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm. not... Also, I think that there's probably something to be said for the fact that a lot of... Um, a lot of women, I'm sure, don't come forward about mental health problems because they, we tend to be raised in a way that's like... Um, yeah, I know that women are more raised to speak out about things, I think, and, and to sort of be more in touch with their emotions and, and blah, blah, blah. And so that's why this male mental health problem has arisen because mm. they're kind of told the opposite. But it's also like we are also taught to deal with a larger capacity of pain a lot of the Mm. time and cope with that more to the point that I don't it goes back to what you're saying is I don't think you know that it's what you're suffering there is a problem that what you're suffering there is an anxiety is a a mental illness or a mental health problem like it's not because you're told that it's not and to downplay it and to be you know so the statistics are a bit you can kind of pull them however you want to but um i think um that it's like telling even now like how we're talking we're like fighting an issue like the not all men thing that isn't even the main issue Mm. the issue was a woman was killed by a man on a way home walking home Mm. and every day women are catcalled, touched, worse, like every single freaking day. Mm. And, and men it's just know been turned that. into something else, and it's painful the, to. The whole thing about in. men being protective about women as well, so it means that they know, they know, because who are they protecting us from? Other men. And it's yeah. like the things about being like, call me when you get home, or bring a rape alarm with you um, or carry your keys or all those kind of things. It is, that is like so, that's so common for women Mm. and it isn't for men. So I don't know how else to explain it more clearly than the fact that we have to take precautionary measures every time we leave the house suggests a massive issue in safety and, and, distracting from the problem is not going to solve that 
And mm-hmm. also, you know, toxic masculinity is an issue for men as well as it is for women. So yeah. it, it's in their interest, if if not to protect women as they say that they want to, mm-hmm. but for themselves to live a freer, less painful life. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but we also want to talk a little bit about um, the Meghan Markle interview. It's yeah, just interesting. It, just, it all felt like, <laughs> what a week, like, yeah. Um, I just watched it. I cried, like, a lot of times during it. Well, really. I, I mentioned earlier that I've had a horrific week. Mm. And I'm not going to go into details, but I had, I've had, like, a very emotional like anxious week regarding a lot of things going on in my life but it's I when I watched that interview <laughs> I I I, f- I don't know if it would have been the same if I hadn't have had the week that I had to be honest but like I I also like cried my eyes out and it's kind of mm. I've not really told anybody else that I did that because I was sort of embarrassed in a way because I was oh like <laughs> they talked about some really really heavy stuff and I did nothing but feel for them throughout the whole interview Mm. and I I frankly think anyone who doesn't like her or them as a couple it's something wrong in their own lives it's jealousy it's their own problem because they've done nothing but the right thing and felt a lot of pain Mm. in the last couple of years what I'm learning a lot from all of these discussions about things is that people are always very quick to deny other people's pain and they yeah. always want to be like, no, it's not that bad, or this is worse, or blah, blah, blah. Like, um, And you know how that frustrating that is when somebody doesn't understand mm. the level of what you're feeling, and it doesn't ma- it doesn't really matter what it is. If you've had such a reaction to, to it, it's important, and, yeah. and you are well within your right to, to feel how you feel and express that how you wish. Um, and I think... I think it's a bit more of a complicated issue because, again, it's, like, it's a political thing and, you know, it ties into people's relationship with how they feel about the monarchy and all those kinds of things. And I don't even think it's a question of liking her or them or what. I just don't understand how deep... And I think this is probably what they're trying to say is how you can have such a strong reaction... To people that you don't know and mm. and like if you just put yourself in that position you know that when somebody has such a strong reaction to the way that you are it's always like upsetting and you're always like why because obviously the way that you are you're not like you never set out to be like hurt anybody so mm. when that's sort of like the accusation or the way things have been picked uh, pitch like it's kind of like the thing about the Kate making her cry thing or whatever mm. and how that story came out like honestly who knows we're never gonna know I mean I do believe what Meghan Markle said but like I suppose I can't you cannot know for sure we don't know what happened really but I how... would believe anything that woman uttered <laughs> but I, do, <laughs> I, think... I think she's great <laughs> well I think like um, it's important, but it's just it's it kind of ties up with that thing where it's like when 
you you know your perspective on something and you know how you feel about something and then how it can get turned so quickly mm. to the opposite thing and so in that case what say the story was that Kate made no Megan made Kate cry and the actual yeah. situation not only was that that wasn't true which is annoying mm. in itself but that she made her cry and might like put that down to your own like own level of like things within your own life and that happens even if you're if you were misrepresented to your friends or your colleagues or your peers or whatever it's frustrating now imagine being Mm. misrepresented on that scale to the whole world and not being able to say anything without people judging you and and not believing you or whatever or thinking you're attention seeking or a victim or whatever all these things Mm. I'd go insane obviously I thought I think it's interesting not only what she said but then the reaction to the interview as well Mm. and I thought like personally I think the whole thing listening to it has obviously been hugely traumatic for them personally but on a wider scale the reaction to the interview like the well the fact Piers Morgan like stormed off whatever after his remarks about the suicide and stuff like on a wider scale that's just horrific that like someone sharing those really traumatic triggering stories can be followed by the belittling the whatever like someone speaking out about those sort of things is so important for such a wide scope of people Mm. and then the media turning around and being like money grabbing whatever and all, all the rest it's just, it's not only really affecting cause... her, it's affecting the whole group of people she's trying to help. Mm. It's just... And I think, as well, like, I, I mean, I've had conversations about this with a lot of people, and I think there's, like, this argument where it's like, oh, well, who who cares what they say? Because they don't represent, like, normal people. They're, you know, in a very unique situation that not a lot of people are in, mm. and they're inherently wealthy and all of these other things like and so I can kind of I can see that because I do find that frustrating but I'm like rich people can be mentally ill like it's not like it's not it money does not like blanket you from suffering from things Mm. for one thing um but also when people sort of say well they can't be a spokesperson on that because they don't truly understand what it's like. She's just told you that she understood what it's like. You don't believe her because you do not believe that somebody who is high profile or wealthy or has fame or success, all those things, can feel those things. And that is something that's so important in in talking about mental health things to dispel is that it does not matter. It doesn't matter if you're successful. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you married a prince. It doesn't matter whatever it is. You can still have you know self-esteem problems or breakdowns mm. of you know, do you know what I mean like and it's there is not a single person in the world who's immune from from that and yeah. to know that whilst awful as it is that it affects so many people is comforting for a lot of people to yeah. know that that is not it's not down to them and it's not necessarily mm. down to their particular situation or it's not or but or it's not down to something they've done or where they are or or, or this and that and that they are not somehow weaker or less um, capable of doing something. 
I know, mm. to be honest, particularly in this past week, I know I've felt like that, that because I've really struggled to cope with a lot of things, and I wasn't a person that f- thought that, like, I thought I was very good at coping with things, and then this week, I'm not at all, and I think that it didn't matter to me that Meghan Markle was rich or a princess or whatever it is, you know. It it was nice to hear somebody else understanding, not, no, it's not the same situation, but, like, the feelings of it or, like, mm. the, the, the way in which that you can feel really hurt about something and stress about something and not know how to deal with it. Mm. It's nice to know that somebody else feels like that. Yeah. Honestly. So. Do you know what? I was like thinking when you were saying like the privilege thing and how mm. you can solve mental health issues and stuff. It made me think like, you know, in the Truman Show, we're going on <laughs> a metaphor out here that <laughs> the whole of the the world were behind him. Mm. Because that they were following his narrative, and his narrative was he was the main character and he was a good person. Yeah. So he could have done anything, and he was the centre of everyone's attention. And when he left, everyone was like, go on, like, Truman. Whereas here, because of the narrative, like, we're, they have presented Meghan and Harry through, mm. them leaving is, like, in the British media, like, the worst thing in the entire world. However they could have easily spun it the other way, so we were all rooting for Meghan and Harry. Yeah. So it's all... It's not so much like people don't agree with the issues. It's... They were never going to support them after the way it's been spun in the media because they have become the villains in it, if you're looking at it from, like, the way the media is presenting it so anything they suggest like oh i have mental health issues people are immediately gonna go that's an evil mental health issue you're a villain that's not real Mm. whatever so a lot of like what they're saying is also just being completely shut down by the the way people decided they already are instead of listening to it for what it is it really brings home the power of storytelling, honestly, because yeah. that is literally how everything is communicated now and how it's like, well, it has always been. Life is PR. Yeah, and That's it's why astonishing. Jones was a powerful woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of sex in the sea. <laughs> it's astonishing how how much we how much we desire for people to understand us and how not understanding we are of other people consistently. Like, yeah, you know? Yeah. Bizarre. Um, I think one thing that this discussion has made very clear for me is, like, the need for, as much as I, I really appreciate in conversation, and especially in problem-solving and discussion, mm-hmm. the need for nuance, the need for this intersectional discussion. I think that's the only way to pave... Um, an actual yeah. realistic solution. I think that in the initial, like, reactionary thing, people deserve to share their experiences and share the the one issue with, like, 
the women feeling unsafe at night without that being interrupted or bring an idea to the table without it being immediately shot down yeah there needs and you just need to have to listen to people you don't necessarily have to agree with them but Mm. you need to um yeah have some more understanding um and not be dismissive immediately because that does feel like and I know there's a lot of controversy around the vigil that happened because of COVID. Um, but I, I fully understand and definitely support all the women going, to be honest, because it was like, I, it felt bigger than COVID, I think, personally. But it, it feels like this whole thing is like, I think for a lot of women last week was really weird and tough, but it feels like it's almost low key over. It doesn't really feel like it has. Hmm. Any and that's how it feels because every it feels time. like it's been shut down. It's funny, the COVID thing has kind of exacerbated a lot of problems because it's where, like, you know, how last summer we had the um, the Black Lives Matter protests and obviously mm. the same kind of backlash against that. And, I'm like, social issues don't go away because of this. Yeah. And people's collective need to be together, to be honest, is actually quite a wonderful thing. And I know... Mm. I know that it's not something in, you know, in the interest of national health, but in some ways it is because... Yeah, you could argue this is because of, like, the danger women feel every day. Do you feel... Do I feel more scared every day that I'm going to get COVID or do I feel more scared that I could Mm. get attacked in the street? Like, that's a real worry. Yeah. Not that other social issues aren't. They are as pressing, but it... It's a pandemic in itself, what's happening. Yeah, and it's a bit of pandemic that has, has gone on forever and has not had any um, any attempts to cure it, I suppose. Yeah. No, there's no vaccination for prejudice, is there? But um, I think, yeah, like the, in this time, I think it's really shown that there are massive mental health ramifications for how being alone and isolated we are and being able to go to that vigil and Mm. pay your respect and mourn collectively is always is something that humans have always had to do Mm. and it's something that we've has always had a wonderful thing of being able to bring people closer together and I think that in a time when you physically can't be close together sometimes sometimes there are exceptions to the rule and Mm. you they if you felt particularly at risk you wouldn't have gone I suppose it's a thing you wouldn't need to be anywhere near there if you felt you know so people it's sort of like the freedom thing of being able to sort of measure your own Mm. freedom your 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 own risk factor I suppose I really feel like a sort of um what's the word like uh I feel like I need to keep this conversation going and um what's the word I'm looking for like I have to do this like I feel like it's our duty because it feels like if not it's just gonna die out and yeah it it feels like something well it is something so important to me and it's also something that is going to be such a lengthy process of undoing Mm. like it's not going to be fixed in our lifetime i don't think and it needs to start 
now. Um, and I do think we have made, to an extent, there has been um, good progress on, on, on some of these kinds of issues. It's not like it's been a complete stalling point or gone backwards completely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we need to be able to move move with that still. And, um, yeah, we need to be able to be heard. And do you know what? I think... Yeah, you need more women in in politics because yeah. that's the reason why one of the big reasons why a lot of changes haven't occurred. It's not necessarily that men don't want to protect women. It's not necessarily that they don't want us to feel safe. It's precisely the point is that they don't understand that we don't feel safe and they don't understand mm. why we don't feel safe. And, and, and that's not because men are stupid. Oh, please don't get your back up. Yeah, <laughs> it's because you're refusing to hear us like yeah. which isn't you know something that everybody's guilty of doing like shutting their ears mm. off to things but when asking you politely as women do <laughs> that to keep an open mind and not yeah. feel like we are specifically attacking you and yeah. just understand um our our very real safety fears mm. I always feel like with stuff like this and um, a lot of social issues where you are comfortable in other people's um, misery or exploitation, it's at one point you probably were ignorant. To, and I, I always think the word ignorance got really loaded connotations, but I just mean it in its literal sense. You're either ignorant as is or you're being actively ignorant and ignoring it. And it, mm. you... And this speaks for us as well. I always feel like it's like, I go, you, you. And I'm not blaming. I'm like, as a whole, we do this. You either choose to... When you're actively ignorant, you know you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's a choice. So that's when it's time to make the change. I also think there's, like, a point to be made about how, you know, how we react to these things is very, like... Like, what we talked about before, about it being very, like, a gut instinct. It's, like, it's very... Mm -hmm feels sort of very physical in a way <laughs> the way yeah. that you respond to it and I know like prior to this I'd have had a conversation with my housemate where I I like to get out sometimes the things I'm going to talk about and I talk about it my initial reactionary thought process mm. in that space because I'm like need to find a way to be able to articulate myself properly and sort of hear Sometimes when you say this, like, verbal vomit of how you're feeling, you don't you say the right thing, it doesn't sound correct, mm -hmm. and it's not quite, um... It's not useful for getting the point across, because yeah, it, it's not articulated well enough, but mm -hmm. you've got to understand that the initial... A lot of this has been initial reactions from people, yeah. and because it's so tied up in such... Uh, suffering it's mm. so hard to be able to filter that through an articulate voice yeah um, I think it's been really kind of hurtful to see people share these really awful things happen and people expecting that to be backed up with like statistics and all this like no this is like experience and it's a like as this initial gut very emotive reaction because they're, they're emotive topics and it's not a victim or anyone like a victim's job to have the 
like <laughs> I don't know um, eloquent way of saying things or the statistics to back up an argument like it's it's not to start an argument it's to share a real life painful experience mm. and that's should be met with a bit of respect plus yeah. all right I feel so like we... I sound so like mm. it's been a very exhausting yeah week that's how I feel yeah, and like, I think that's how a lot of people feel. Done, but I'm like also ready to fight the good also fight. Also, got to be there for womankind. Womankind, yes. We stand together, bitches. <laughs> that could be a good catchphrase. We'll see mm. if that takes off anyway. And men, we want you to stand with us, not against yeah. us. When I say bitches, I mean yeah, all of us. <laughs> it, it, it is easy to feel helpless. Yeah, but so. our voices are valuable tools, mm. especially when they have gorgeous Yorkshire turns. <laughs> mine does. <laughs> um, right, are you ready for a day in the life? Day in the life. Switch, yeah. switch gears. We're on to fun times now. <laughs> Not sure day in the life been, is he? <clears throat> So, um, I hadn't really thought about this before because I feel like my life in the past week has been this, like, high-speed thing where I haven't had any chance to do anything or feel, or I've just felt too much and it's just been a bit mm. bleh. But, um, I think what I'm going to say is last night, um, I was, like, preparing for this thing that I had to do this morning um that was, had been making me really anxious and I was like needed to get out and I needed to like release all of this like pent-up energy and anxiety and I was like I just need to I need to leave the house or something so me and my housemates went on a walk but it was like evening like kind of evening time just as the sun was setting <coughs> like perfect vibes mm. honestly um and, yeah we got to <laughs> there's this really nice walk in oxford where you go by the isis river and um <laughs> emma just raised her eyebrows at me yes there is a river called the isis river in oxford um obviously predating the terrorist group but um <laughs> yeah um it we got there and it's like you get to this this bridge on this like highway type that's American but um and it was dark by the time we got there and we remembered that we'd been on this walk before and it's not lit at all by the river and obviously regarding everything that's been going on we suddenly were a bit like ooh should we should we do that should we be walking Mm. by the river at night um no one around kind of thing and then we were like do you know what yeah <laughs> we, that's what we wanted to do and you know we're all together so it's fine and you know it was fine and mm. um it was really nice like it was just so nice to so nice to be around nature nice. and I feel like I say <laughs> this like all the time but it's like the river yeah. and like the swans and stuff and the geese just like floating about on the river and mm. <laughs> and the sky and the 
this sounds really weird, but there's literally like rats running out from the field into mm. the river and stuff. But which is kind of scary, but also like wow, amazing and ratatouille there. <laughs> And, um, they're unemployed at the moment. All the restaurants are shut. <laughs> um, and then we it sort of leads into town. And when we went to a takeaway chip van, got some chips, got a, a couple of pints from Sainsbury's and sat on this mm. bench in town and ate our chips and, the, and beer and... It was just like perfect. I don't know. It's like so simple, but I'm like chips and beer. God, and yeah, and we were (laughs) (laughs) we were sat in this very like public place in town, right where these crossroads are in Oxford. The high street meets the other high street, (laughs) and it's um this. I heard this whistle noise and I, we were all like, fuck's sake, fucking annoying man. He was a friend who would just come off the train from London who was going to work. And, and we were just like, oh my God, what are the chances of seeing you here? And I was like, wow, how how lovely so it was. And he was like, God, you all look so free, just like sitting in this public place <laughs> yeah. drinking and having some chips. And um, we were like, yeah, <laughs> it's really nice. And just that is like such a simple thing but like I had such a bad day and I've had such a bad week and just being able to go outside and just like relax for a minute Mm. and feel like a normal person again and it just it like almost makes all of like the the hard parts it does it does make it worth it because it's like yeah <laughs> I don't know but yeah it was just that was nice so what what was yours I was gonna say something else but then you reminded me when you said that so <laughs> I was on a walk on Saturday because now I can walk into town which is lush mm. so I was like I need some shaving gel so I'll walk into town to go to Superdrug <laughs> so I did and then I walked along like the seafront bit and there was a helicopter further on the cliffs. And I was like, hmm, that's quite low. And then it kept on coming closer. And this helicopter was, like, huge right in front of my eyes. And I was like, and, like, there's a Coast Guard station. They're all out on the balcony. I was like, oh, my God, it's going to land here. Like, it's going to do an emergency landing. Like, what the hell's happening? And the person in the, like, the, he was sat with his legs off the side, like, waving. And I thought, oh, my God, like, he wants us all to move. They're going to land. Oh, my God. Turns out they didn't. Turns out they just sit there and wave while they're practising, which is really cute, actually. And he just continued on. But I've just never seen a helicopter that close before. And it's one of the Coast Guard ones, and they're freaking massive. And it was just, like, It's giving me, like, Jurassic Park vibes. Yeah, and I was, like... I just thought I was out for like a walk and I'd see this, thing, all this massive, <laughs> massive freaking... flying mechanical bird in the sky. Yeah, and like <laughs> the guy with his legs out the side waving. I was like, mad scenes. <laughs> and then in, because nothing obviously has been happening in my life that night, I had a dream about it. <laughs> <laughs> it found it its way to your subconscious. <laughs> it obviously like rocked my world. So <laughs> So that was my 
I, do you know, it was just nice because I, it was sort of like going to, I don't know, like a gallery or something. Because it was just something I hadn't seen in ages. I was like, Christ, that's a new experience. <laughs> so I was buzzing the rest of the day and I was like telling all my family. I was like, I saw this Makov helicopter. And they were like, oh yeah, they do that all the time. I was like, well, I haven't seen yeah. it. I was buzzing. I feel buzzing like both of our little things is like very simple like wow isn't life wonderful <laughs> type yeah. moments. i wish everyone could see that helicopter <laughs> i wish everyone could sit on that bench eating those chips and drinking that yeah. pie <laughs> i wish i was there <laughs> i do <laughs> right shall we wrap up today's yeah. podcast yeah i feel better you know yes it was cathartic whether it was cathartic for anyone listening. Uh, yeah, it's a name. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope anyone could, I don't know, um, feel like their voice is heard, mm. man or woman, about this subject. Generally, I just think a conversation around it is really important. Yeah. Unless you're saying that this isn't true, then I'll spit in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Bit reactionary. <laughs> so there you go. Um, that was a lovely end to the podcast mm. um yes anyway i hope you enjoyed it and i don't know it it feels important to use our platform to talk about our platform important of five issues. listeners <laughs> you are our platform of five listeners yeah well who knows i don't even know what the today are. might be six tomorrow <sighs> one can dream <laughs> steady on <laughs> <laughs> right well, thank you so much, and we will see you in next week's podcast. Bye. Bye.